Hello, and welcome to H2Tech Talk, the podcast series from H2Tech, the hydrogen technology journal from Gulf Energy Information. My name is Sumedha Sharma, and I'm the technical editor for H2Tech Talk and your host for H2Tech Talk today. Our guest today is Ron Beck, Industry Marketing Director at Aspen Technology. Ron has been with Aspen Tech for two years, and during this time, he has been responsible for oil and gas and engineering and construction industry marketing, as well as engineering product marketing. He has over 30 years of experience in providing software solutions to the process industries and 15 years of experience in chemical engineering technology commercialization. Welcome to H2 Tech Talk, Ron. Uh, thanks, thanks very much, uh, Sumeda. So first of all, I'll invite you to introduce yourself to our audience and speak a little bit about your role at Aspen Tech. Uh, thanks very much. So as you said, I've had over 30 years experience in the industry. Uh, and interestingly enough, I started out uh, in the industrial world working on sustainability solutions. Uh, and then moved on over time to focusing on digital solutions for the, as you said, the energy industries uh, and uh, electric power industries over time. Um, but now it's come full circle with the industry so heavily focused uh, on sustainability. So Aspen Technology, who I've worked with for the last 15 years is, um, as many of you might know, we're a leading supplier of digitalization solutions for what we call the asset intensive industries, in particular, uh, energy industry and chemical industries, uh, as well as mining and some other related industries. Um, and our solutions uh, traditionally have all been based around uh, modeling technologies, which create a very high level of value across asset life cycles. Uh, over the past, several years, um, I've been focusing heavily on um, our customers beginning their journeys towards sustainability. So that includes both um, energy transition as well as circular economy. And certainly hydrogen economy has gained a huge amount of attention in the, the past several years. I've been fortunate to be involved in a number of discussions with some of the leading companies moving in this area because of the high suitability of our product sets in solving uh, the, uh, you know, the commercialization opportunities and challenges of hydrogen. Uh, and in particular, as Aspen Technologies introduced a concept called industrial AI into the marketplace, uh, these areas of uh, industrial AI, as we call them, are going to have huge applicability for sustainability in general. And hydrogen economy in particular. Interesting. So uh, what do you think are the core challenges for the hydrogen economy? And do you really think hydrogen will one day become the preferred or the primary fuel of the future? Yeah, so I think um, the main challenges are well known. Uh, and I get these both from what different uh, consortia and companies have been telling me, but also um, our own research into the area. Um, so probably the biggest challenge, of course, is economics. So how, do, how does somebody bring uh, hydrogen technologies ranging from 
whether it be carbon capture associated with blue hydrogen or electrolysis associated with green hydrogen or uh, transport and end uses of hydrogen. How do you bring the economics to a point which they're competitive or superior to other energy sources? So in addition to being green, they need to be economically competitive for the, let's say business, the global business and the global GDP of different countries to thrive. Um, going along with that challenge, there's a, there's a big technology choice challenge. I think everybody getting into this area knows there are many technology approaches being taken, which will be the winners. Uh, as you start making bets to scale up hydrogen, are you making the right technology choices and how does that fit into this long-term economic context? Another key challenge is safety. Um, hydrogen can be a little unstable in some forms. So uh, then how do you safely transport it and uh, achieve end use of hydrogen? Um, a scale up is a big challenge. This is all new, uh, new technology areas to a larger extent, although certainly with blue hydrogen, things like steam reforming are known technologies, but certainly the carbon capture part is uh, newly being uh, introduced on very large industrial scales. So there's, a, there's an industrial scale up challenge with a lot associated with that. And then finally, there's a reason it's called the hydrogen economy. There's a there's long value chain here across multiple companies and parties. Uh, so there's a complexity of the value chain and how do, you, how do you manage that complexity so that all parts of the, this uh, can, can thrive and make innovation and bring this to the scale it needs to be. So those are the main challenges I would see. Just a few. <laughs> Absolutely, I, I totally agree that uh, just as uh, advanced data analytics and uh, AI is definitely revolutionizing uh, several economies across the board, the same do apply to hydrogen economy, but uh, can you really pinpoint specific projects and ways in which uh, these will apply to the hydrogen segment? Sure. Um, so I think one of the things that goes along with, uh, I think there's two or three key parts of this which lend themselves to, let's say, in analytics, industrial AI, and so forth. Um, first of all, the complexity. So anything that's complex, uh, and the complexity comes from the value chain. So you're, you're uh, creating hydrogen. If you're making blue hydrogen, you have to also process the uh, CO2, and then you have to do something with it. Uh, then you have to uh, get from where you produce hydrogen to where you're going to use it. So there's a, a storage and conveyance complexity, and then there's uh, end use. So how are you going to use hydrogen? A variety of different ways. You know, you can use them as intermediates and chemical or refining processes, but of course, the big promise is use them in mobility solutions like fleets of buses or trucks or even cars, or uh, as fuel, you know, commercial fuels cells, let's say used in microgrids or grids for energy storage and renewable energy complexes. Uh, all of these are, you know, there's, they're inherently complex and unstable systems, or not unstable, but dynamic, I meant to say. Um, and so difficult for, uh, one person, let's say, or a very, you know, who's operating, let's say, a facility to know the right choices to make to achieve uh, safety, to achieve uh, the production, and to see, achieve the economic result. 
So AI is going is already being, but it will be a key tool in allowing uh, organizations and people to make the right decisions in a complex value chain uh, that give you the best both productivity, reliability, and uh, and best result. Now, also these are um, new technologies and complex things like fuel cells um, and other things like that are being built now with a lot of data streams. How do you use that data to understand the technology, to improve it because they're new technologies to you know, introduce new generations quickly, but also understand the reliability. These systems don't have a lot of operating experience. So how do you understand where parts of the system are failing and prevent that and uh, provide uptime for the whole system? Mm -hmm. So in general, there are a lot of different ways where AI will be crucial. Yeah, I think you make a really, really interesting point here. The uptime maintenance, that is an inherent challenge that the industry in general faces and hydrogen industry is uh, no different in terms of that. Uh, we do agree that lowering costs is uh, one of the important factors here to make hydrogen the fuel of the future. So can you talk a little bit about how does digital technology help in lowering costs, not just in production, storage and transport as well? Uh, you mentioned, you touched a little bit on this earlier, but there are inherent challenges like uh, you mentioned heavy fuel sector, uh, sorry, heavy vehicle sector. So they are struggling with not just storage, but they are also struggling with infrastructure. Does AI, does digital tech have a role to play there? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I think, uh, well, let me give you a simple example. Um, in the, uh, so, you know, today existing is largely on a commercial scale is largely uh, blue hydrogen. Um, so one of our, the companies using our technologies heavily is a well-known player in the hydrogen field, Air Products uh, and Chemicals Company. Um, now, Air Products runs today uh, the largest hydrogen network in the Gulf Coast of the U.S. They presented a very interesting case study uh, earlier this year at our global conference uh, in which they talked about how they used data streams and modeling technology running off of. So they have a network of, I think, 20 different hydrogen generating facilities across the Gulf Coast connected through a pipeline to to their customers who use hydrogen. And so each of these plants is producing hydrogen and some of them are producing blue hydrogen because they're associated with carbon capture already. Um, so uh, their challenge is these plants are widely distributed, which is the same thing as what you would have with heavy industrial uses also. Um, and how do you have a few technical experts potentially in one center who can monitor and understand and control and manage all of these sites remotely. So they built a set of models, a model of each facility. They were similar, but each one was different. And then connected that up with data streams to keep those models you know, representing the current state of production. And then use that to understand um, you know, what's going on in these facilities, how to keep them up and running, how to keep them reliable, but also how to keep them uh, optimized and able to deliver the product they promised on time. And they also presented a couple of examples of how it's already created value. Um, one example they showed 
was basically, you know, a restart of a plant and immediately some, some warning signals were uh, presented to the operators and they quickly had to make some decisions as to what to do. And in that case, they uh, valued the presence of that model and the ability to respond quickly as saving them a million dollars uh, in that just one instance. So if you multiply that across 20 plants and you know potentially multiple events happening across, during the course of a year, you're talking about a lot of money. The other way technology helps with economics though, is in the, uh, inter in the uh, scale up. So the fact that you have integrated solutions like we provide to, to these companies so that you can look at, um, uh, let's say you have a pilot facility or what you were talking about. Let's say you have a, uh, like one of our customers is Doosan uh, fuel cell company out of Korea. They make these uh, commercial like modular uh, skid mounted fuel cell units you can bring into, let's say a remote mining site or wherever you wanted to use it to generate electricity. Uh, how do you collect the data to understand um, how those are performing so that you can improve, both improve the design, but also potentially scale them up. So let's say you're making them at a small size scale, you need to scale them up in order to be really economically uh, advantageous. How, how do you use data from earlier, early commercial instances to, to basically give the organization the confidence to start manufacturing and supplying this at very large scales. So I think the closed loop in the early design cycle of innovative processes like we're seeing in hydrogen is absolutely crucial because the world is in a hurry. You know, traditionally something like this would I take agree. 20 or 30 years to, uh, to commercialize, but we're talking about we wanna squeeze this into just a few years and how do you avoid mistakes? in the design and the economics. Absolutely. Um, so in this example, you talked about blue hydrogen and that brings me to my next question. Yeah. Uh, could you please discuss the use cases for green versus blue hydrogen? And uh, also uh, I am curious, so I'm referring to, uh, I'm, I want to let our audience know that uh, you can also read uh, Ron's executive viewpoint in Q4, quarter four issue of H2Tech, the Hydrogen Technology Journal from Gulf. And uh, I'm trying to refer to one of your figures, which indicates that although your technological solutions are widely applied for green and blue hydrogen sectors, but they are not so much for renewables, which is also a high investment magnet these days. So what could be the potential reasons and uh, what, are the, what is the impact of this? Yeah, so, all right. So let me quickly uh, talk, talk a little bit about blue and green hydrogen. This is of course a hot topic these days. Um, yes. And so, I mean, fundamentally you're making hydrogen. So the use case for the hydrogen is the same, whether you uh, manufacture green hydrogen or blue hydrogen, really, the difference is uh, in the energy source and therefore, let's say the carbon footprint of the whole process. So um, I guess, you know, the conventional wisdom would be that green hydrogen is carbon neutral because um, you're using renewable sources of power to, to, 
to, um, to power, let's say the electrolysis units, which can synthesize uh, green hydrogen from water. Uh, blue hydrogen is made through convent, you know, uh, basically typically using uh, LN, uh, lit, or natural gas as a, as a source material. So therefore you have carbon dioxide as a byproduct. So obviously if we're looking for carbon mitigation, what do you do with the carbon, the carbon that you're emitting? So blue hydrogen means you associate, the use case has to include carbon capture along with it. Um, and so to some, uh, let's say, uh, energy transition advocates, green hydrogen is viewed as better than blue hydrogen because it's quote unquote carbon neutral. Of course, if you can capture with high efficiency the CO2 from the blue hydrogen, um, then that becomes pretty advantageous too. And I think the, the, one of the points here is the economics and potentially blue hydrogen today has a better, better economics, more proven technology and uh, access to existing, uh, let's say engineering materials and infrastructure in the design of the systems. So I think those are the big differences. I think that um, as companies, I gave the example of Air Products, they're one company. I had some discussions with them. You know, they're they're working a lot on how do you integrate the uh, reforming processes with the carbon capture processes to increase the efficiency of carbon capture. Um, but fundamentally, you know, we see I see both of these as being really important in the overall hydrogen picture. They both can use the same transport and end use infrastructure. So maybe people think of this as an evolution path where you start out using a lot of blue hydrogen today, maybe you move more towards green hydrogen as you can improve the economics and prove the technologies of the electrolysis uh, leading to green hydrogen. Uh, you asked the other question about applying uh, automation technology for renewables. Yeah, um, traditionally our, our company has served, you know, company industries like chemicals and, and uh, energy industries. You know, we, we, one of our, I guess, uh, competitive advantages or unique value propositions is we have, uh, you know, a number of multiple hundreds of uh, chemical engineers, many of them with PhDs who provide a lot of domain knowledge uh, in in, uh, in advancing and innovating our systems, both conventional modeling tools and industrial AI. But in reality, our tools have always been used for both for electrical as well as chemical engineering systems. Um, and as you said, our tools are used a lot and have been used a lot for fuel cell technology, which is the co confluence of chemical and electrical engineering really to solve the uh, efficiency problems or design challenges. Um, and we've recently built a number of sample models as to how to apply our modeling tool technologies to um, areas such as uh, solar, solar panel and solar arrays, uh, as well as um, wind farms. And our, our uh, analytics technology have recently been applied a lot in the reliability of wind farms. So this is all a growing area for us and for the world, I think. Yeah, I think I agree with you, like uh, both on the uh, green versus blue hydrogen um, balance. I think both have to coexist for us to go forward. 
in fulfilling all our goals here. So uh, could you also talk a little bit about how your technologies might impact carbon capture utilization and storage? Because that is the next step that technological advancements really need to make a genuine impact. Yeah, so, um, well, of course, well, as many people might know, uh, the biggest challenge with carbon capture is the cost. So the way carbon capture is typically done, so there's two parts, as you said, there's the actual capture part, the carbon capture, and then there's what do you do with the carbon? So there's uh, utilization in which you may combine it, you know, with different materials to make certain chemicals and some, uh, some energy companies in Europe are experimenting with that. Um, but then there's of course sequestration where you are going to you know, uh, put the carbon dioxide into a sort of a storage mode where you might store it in a subsurface reservoir. So uh, for in some indefinite period of time. Um, so how do, you, how do you use technology to optimize that? You know, as I said, today, this is a economically negative activity in the sense that it costs, it costs money to capture carbon. The value proposition is you're removing uh, greenhouse gas from the atmosphere. Um, now you can make the economics somewhat positive if you're, let's say, utilizing CO2 for enhanced oil recovery, which is sort of pretty much the main, the largest net positive economics way in which CO2 has been handled, um, handled up till the present. Um, and you know, companies like uh, uh, Denberry and uh, ExxonMobil talk a lot about um, how you utilize CO2 in a, ne a net positive economic way through enhanced oil recovery. But really the, you know, the quantity of CO2 that needs to be captured and stored is much larger than can be used for something like that. So the way technology impacts this. So our, first of all, our modeling tools back uh, at least 15 years ago, um, we introduced um, special carbon capturing modeling technologies to model the actual capture process using uh, whether you're using sol different kinds of solvents in, in uh, capture and stripping columns and that whole process of uh, you know, using uh, some sort of material such as a solvent to capture the carbon and then, uh, you know, then uh, separating the carbon and, and then uh, conveying it to some utilization location and then recharging or reusing the solvent. Um, so, that's always been a specialty of ours. Almost every carbon capture project of any scale has used our technology to design it. And as people go into operations, uh, the model you know you can see is the there's a project called Technology Center Mugstat, funded largely by Shell and Total and Equinor oil companies in Norway, where they're da collecting data off of the operating plant and running running our models in a operating mode to understand the economics and the performance of the system. So this economics, so the modeling will be a critical mode and analytics will become more and more important as people introduce innovative materials and innovative processes, which it, where it's harder to model with a conventional model, you need an AI analytics model to handle that. 
Um, but then the next part is, okay, we're trying to store this on a large scale in the subsurface, uh, let's say a, a, a already produced natural gas reservoir or an available salt dump. Um, how do you model the interaction between the carbon capture facility and the subsurface where you're storing it? So that also involves uh, what we call hybrid models where you combine um, the process models for the uh, facility itself with a, uh, what we call a reduced order model or AI version of let's say a reservoir model to look at the uh, what's happening in the subsurface and what's happening in your carbon capture facility and how to ensure that's all working to monitor the fact that you're uh, you've captured the carbon and it's being stored safely and so forth. So there are a lot of ways technology is already and will be applied in these areas. So I mean this latter, the latter part I mentioned with the combination of subsurface modeling with, um, with, uh, with uh, process modeling, There's, there was a paper presented on this at our global conference this year, but this is all, that's in its very much of its infancy, but the uh, modeling of the capture facilities themselves is very well established and is going to be a key component to driving the economics of carbon capture in the future. Very interesting to uh, note this, Ron. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and your information with our audience. Especially uh, what is interesting to me is knowing that your modeling, your analytics and your AI tools, they have a significant impact on all streams here, the development of hydrogen hubs, the technological innovations, the timely deployment and also on the actual supply chain and deployment strategies in the hydrogen segment. So thank you for sharing all that information with our H2 Tech Talk audience. And to our audience, I will turn and say that if you've enjoyed this episode, please remember to share and subscribe to the H2 Tech Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts or Blueberry. Thank you. Thanks very much, Sumeda. Great to talk to you.